But if you can commit to writing one blog post a week, even if it's crap, even if you, trust me, if you do this after a year, you won't be a crap writer anymore. You might start out as one, but, but you, you'll get better. But if you can commit to that, you're going to be in the top, definitely in the top like 0.1% of the rest of the freelancers out there as far as building a brand and marketing yourself. Like you're going to have, you're going to be doing that much more than the majority of people will ever do in their, in their promotion and, and building a brand. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business of Freelancing podcast, where we help you get better clients, make more money, and live a happier and a healthier life freelancing. I'm your host, Brennan Nunn, and before we begin, I just want to give an honest, heartfelt shout out and thanks to a number of people who have left recent reviews, great reviews, all of them five-star, on iTunes about the podcast. Specifically, I want to shout out to Spork It Over. Rick Wolf, Justin underscore MW, Jeff of E-commerce Warriors, Arumov7 and Kelly Iraye, I think. I think that's how I say it. Again, thank you guys just so much for leaving an honest review. The reviews are really what what gets this show in front of more freelancers because it bumps up the rating in, in iTunes and other places, I guess. The kind of stuff that I try to cover on this show is what I think needs to be heard by so many freelancers. I was, you know, just yesterday, I was looking at a a thread on the Reddit freelancing community. And I just my blood was boiling. I mean, people there were just talking about like, you know, oh, my God, it's, it's you know, you must be cheating people or you must be having abnormally good luck because you're successful freelancing and you're not getting bottom of the barrel jobs. And, you know, you're charging more. It was a thread that somebody had posted on how they're charging Thirty to sixty thousand dollars per website for WordPress sites, and he laid out exactly everything he's doing. It's funny; so much of it is in line with what we cover here. You know about how to how to really charge on value, how to showcase the solution that that your client gets, and everything else. I'll link to that thread in the show notes. But anyway, this is the kind of stuff that I think you know. A, a lot of us really aren't formally trained in business. We don't really understand sales. We don't know marketing. We don't know how to really run a proper business. And as freelancers, that is what we are. We are small business owners. And that's why the the show is titled The Business of Freelancing, because, you know, it's one thing to be talented and, and very good at your craft. But if you don't know how to sell the solution that your craft brings to people with that ne- with a need that that solution can satisfy... It's going to be it's going to be stressful. You're you're going to want to give up because you're going to always you're never going to know where that next project's coming from and so on. And so anyway, that's that's why I do what I do and um I just want to thank 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 the above people, the you know, all the people I just listed out for those reviews. If you'd like to re- leave a review, you can do that at doubleyourfreelancing.com/podcast. There's a link to both iTunes and Stitcher there where you can uh, leave a review. By the time this episode goes live, my, my new conference, my first conference ever, Double Your Freelancing Conference or DYF Conf, tickets should have either, are probably as of this, you know, being published, either on sale or about to be on sale. Um, I just want to tell you guys about the lineup. If you haven't looked at the conference site yet, I'm so happy with the people that have agreed to speak. Uh, we've got Alan Branch, who's going to be talking about hiring subcontractors and employees. 
I'm going to be talking about what is the quote unquote end of consulting. So what are we all working toward? Uh, We've got Brian Castle, who's going to be talking about productized services, where we've got Ed Gandia, who will be talking on productivity. Jonathan Stark will be uh, giving a talk on value-based pricing. Kai Davis will be covering how to build an audience. Kurt Elster will be really teaching us how to automate the way we sell. Most Shamars on how social media and advertising can actually help us grow our businesses. Um, that's a really mis- misunderstood rather topic. And I'm, I can't wait to hear what she has to say about really the role of social and advertising. Uh, we've got Nathan Berry, best-selling author of multiple books, who will be talking about how to become authorities in our space. Philip Morgan is going to be giving a talk on positioning. Uh, Sarah Bray will be uh, really showing us how we can build a rabid fan base of clients. And finally, Steli Efti is going to be talking about how to get high quality referrals. So we've got a really good mix of, of speakers. And, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm so excited for this conference because not only are we going to have between 100 to 200, we don't really know yet, ambitious and business focused freelancers and agencies who are all under one roof. We're all going to be learning from each other. The, the hallway track uh, will be probably just as valuable as the talks. But even with the talks, I mean, one thing I've tried to do with all the speakers is to really make sure that every single talk is actionable. It's not going to be the kind of like, you know, here's my story and here's, you know, something inspirational. I mean, inspirational is great, but I like going to a conference and walking away with a a to-do list that's a mile long of things that I can do that I've learned tactically that can help my business. So that's what that's what we're going to be doing with this conference. You know, it's going to be a great way to network with fellow freelancers, business-minded small business owners, really. And on top of that, the goal is to have you walk away with a, a ton of value f- with a lot of different opinions and different perspectives. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait for this to go live. So again, if you if you haven't joined the early bird registration list, you're going to want to go to wfreelancing.com slash conf and, uh, and enter in that your email. And if you're listening either, uh, you know, after sales have launched, you should see a way to purchase tickets on that page. And if you're listening to this anytime after, probably uh, late May slash June of 2015, um, you're probably going to see a placeholder for the next time we do this. So again, the conference is this September here in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, again, for more info, you're going to want to go to doubleyourfreelancing.com slash conf. All right, so today I met with John Sonmez of simpleprogrammer.com. John's a freelance consultant, like most of us, but he's also a published author, he's a speaker, he's a podcaster, and he's also produced a ton of training videos. And I wanted to talk to John because all of this content he's produced has helped him get a ton of leads, a ton of project leads, and he's at the point now where he can cherry pick the projects he he wants to work on. He, he's not needing to sell in the traditional sense anymore. Clients are literally coming to him. And I think it's, I mean, a lot of us know that the, the power, I guess, of a, a strong personal brand, right? We know that if we are well-known online and we're uh, proven experts in our subject, then it's, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of benefits to that. But the problem is, and this is, this is what I wanted to ask John about specifically, you know, when I was starting out, I had no brand. I had no name. I, you know, I, I didn't really have anything. Um, and, you know, John didn't either. None of us did. You know, none of us started with a audience. None of us started with any brand of any sort. And I wanted to ask John how the average freelancer could kind of 
get a taste, at least to begin with, of kind of where he is. Like, how can we start to create content that works on our behalf, that sells on our behalf? So that's why I wanted to bring John on. And uh, so take a listen to the interview with myself and John Sonness. Hey everyone, I'm here with John Sonmez. John, you are the let me let me try to come up with a good title for uh, for you. So you run simpleprogrammer.com. You've written, I know you wrote soft skills, but I think you've written a few other books too, right? I, I, a couple of sort of ebooks. Soft yeah. skills is is sort of the uh, the traditionally published book, right? The, that Manning published, yeah. Um, and then you've done a few ebooks. You speak a lot. You've got a podcast. And you're a consultant. So what I'd like to talk to you about today specifically is, you know, you have a lot of stuff going on. You've got the book, you've got the site, you've got the podcast, you have all this stuff that I'm, I'm going to assume is benefiting your consulting business. So that's really what I'd like to drill into, if that's okay. But before we get into that, why don't you, for those who don't know you, who are you, what do you do, and how do you get to where you are now? Okay, sure. So, uh, so, uh, I've, I started out as a software developer, and and now really you know, to, to to transform like where, where am I at now? I really consider myself to be a life coach for software developers. That's kind of the umbrella that fits everything that I do into that. And, and what does that mean? You know, uh, if you're familiar with Tony Robbins, I, I sort of try to be the Tony Robbins for software developers. Okay, uh, kind of trying to motivate people and, and really uh, coach them on all these different different things. But but I, I like to do that. Uh, indirectly through through my material, so I can reach more people. So I do some one on ones, but but mostly I'm I'm putting out content around people's uh, around these soft skills. Anything that's not a technical skill around you know communication and, and career development, uh, even fitness and finance and things like that. Um, and so uh, so my my journey to this really came from uh, I, I like I said I started out as a software developer. Uh, for about 15 years, and I had a pretty good career. You know, I, I did I did pretty well. Uh, sometimes I freelance. Sometimes I worked for companies. Um, I never could quite find the thing that let me to go totally free and independent uh, until I started doing. Uh, I did some online training for for a company called Pluralsight, and I built a lot of. I did actually did like 55 courses for them in in a matter of like two and a half years. Um, so I think that puts me as the the number one like developer training video, like I have more hours of developer training than anyone in the world, I believe, at this point, because I have seven, uh, seven days full, like you could watch my content for an entire seven days. Um, so did, I, you, did you do most of this consecutively, or was this just a, a, a long kind of process of producing all this video content? So um, I started out doing it while I was working my full-time job and just like part-time in the evenings, just like four hours a night, every night, just, you know, just slugging this out, just get, cause this opportunity was so good. And then I, I finally got to this point where my royalty income was, it was exceeding my regular income from my job. And so I just, you know, told my boss one day, I was like, man, I love working here, love the job, love the coworkers, love everything. But I'm quitting, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, why? You know, we, we can we can increase your 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 income if that's it." And I said, "No, there's no way that you can you can match you know me making in a quarter from royalties what what you're paying me in a year." So you know, I'm 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 out of here, and uh, and I took the next year just creating pluralsight courses, just like working like a dog, and I did like 30 courses in in one year. That was 
back to back, just recording all these courses. Um, and so that kind of, that bought my freedom really is what, what that did. And it, it kind of opened the door for me to be able to, to, to do other things. Okay. So plural site is kind of how you built up your audience, I guess, immediately because you were tapping into their customer base. And on top of that, that basically replaced your income. Exactly. Yeah. That, that replaced my income alongside with that. I was building up simpleprogrammer.com. I had started doing that just as a, just blogging, just to kind of share my knowledge with, with some of my coworkers and, and anyone who's interested. But as I, as I started blogging, I started getting more and more opportunities. In fact, the Pluralsight opportunity came from that. Uh, but a lot, a lot of people just start calling me up out of the blue and I was getting job offers from it. Like, you know, just not even asking for an interview. You know, someone, I guess when I started to realize that this thing was taking off was when I got this call and someone said, hey, we'd like to offer you a job. And, uh, and I said, well, you mean an interview? And I said, no, 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 we all read your blog. We just want to offer you a job. <laughs> I said, interesting. There's, there's something to this marketing yourself, something about building a little bit of a reputation. I mean, I was, didn't have any kind of you know, big reputation in the industry, but I had enough of a reputation that, that a lot of people were reading my blog. And, uh, and that's what kind of took me down that path. So this, this whole thing you know, is, is, is happening as I'm doing the Pluralsight courses, but my blog is growing. I'm starting to do YouTube videos. I, I'm doing a few podcasts. I'm realizing that actually focusing on marketing myself and building a name for myself is actually going to be something really valuable. And uh, and the thing I'm getting the most traction on is not the technical stuff that I'm writing on my blog, but the kind of uh, career stuff, the kind of mental game type of stuff and motivational stuff. And, and it turns out that's the stuff I like to write the most anyway, because that's the stuff that really lights me up. And so that's, that's what kind of took me down that, that path. And, you know, I think when I finally decided that I'm going to go down the soft skills and life coaching kind of, uh, you know, motivational track was when I started giving, I, I started with this, this talk on how to market yourself as a software developer. And I started giving this at just some code camps and the room would just be, would, would be packed, uh, you know, just like standing room only and people pouring out the doors. And then after I'd give the talk, I, you know, I'd, I'd talk to people for like three or four hours, just people lined up to, to talk about this topic more. And I said, wow, there is no one out here in the software development world that is, is really taking the space of, of a life coach. There's, this niche is completely untapped. And, and I love this niche. So there, there we go. I'm going to just pour everything into it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of, I mean, my, I've seen that too, because, you know, I'm kind of in the career advancement side of things for consultants, freelancers. And the, the thing, the thing that I've noticed, and and this is probably in line with kind of what you've noticed is that it's very easy for somebody who is very comfortable at, let's say, writing code to be very confident in objectively in what they're doing. Right. So like, you know, I, I know this API pretty well. I know how to write code that's more or less bug free. You know, I, I know I'm confident in my my hard skills doing that. But, you know, the second you start talking about um, things that are more soft skills, right, things that aren't as um, empirical, I guess is a, maybe a good way to put it. it right. It's harder. It's, it's intimidating. It's, it's something that a lot of us aren't really comfortable with. I mean, most of us who are developers, we didn't go through business school. We didn't go through an MBA program or anything like that. We either uh, taught ourselves or we went to school for computer science or something like that. And these just weren't things that we were trained in, right? So exactly. I love that story that you gave about the the company that wanted to hire 
you and you alone. They wanted to sidestep the typical kind of like RFP style job getting right where you where a company puts out a, a job posting and then people compete on that. And it's very resume, very technical focused. But in this case, they wanted you because they've already kind of gotten in your mind. They know how you think. They've gone through your blog without you needing to be there. And I think that, to me at least, one of the biggest, most interesting things uh, that I've noticed is ever since I've started blogging and producing content and everything like that is I'll go to a conference. Somebody I don't know comes up to me and starts talking about something going on in my life or you know, some article that I've written and getting into details of that. And and it's it's such a, I think, you know, so many of us are, are kind of used to this system where in order for us to get paid or deliver value or something like that, we need to, we need to supply our time in, into that equation. Right. right. And it, it's just, it's such a, to me at least, and I'm sure it's same thing for you. It's such a, it's such a cool kind of thing, I think. You know, where that company, you never went out and sought them out, right? right? Like they, they came to you, which I think, you know, that's since the, this show is focused on freelancers, that's something that I know a lot of freelancers want. We want to be that brand name consultant. We want to be the people that are sought out rather than the people that need to compete at the lowest price to get projects. So I'd like to, I know you do consulting. Do you, do, do you still do like consulting that has you writing software or is most of it now on more on the coaching side? So, so it's, it's sort of a combination and, and it's kind of funny because like, you know, what, what you're saying, you know, some people that are listening are probably going to think this sounds ridiculous, but I'm actually trying to get away from the consulting and I can't, right? Uh, it, because I have too many people now knocking on my door and I've raised my rates and raised my rates and raised my rates and I still have to you know, occasionally have to say yes. Uh, just, just because you know, it, it's, it's kind of flipped around. Because I know a lot of consultants are like, man, how do I get business? Right? How do I, how do I, like, you know, do I put a Craigslist ad out? Do I go on Odesk? Like, what do I do? Like, how do I get, you know? And they spend all this time on overhead, and then they finally, you know, get someone. And this used to be me, right? And then, and then I was like, well, then you try to negotiate with them, and they want to negotiate you down. And, uh, and, and so now, you know, my basic process right now is uh, is I have, a, I have a VA who kind of filters my inbox and he, he turns down people that just like want to negotiate at all. And uh, and, I, and I usually work off of, um, to be honest with you, I know I should be doing value-based pricing, <laughs> um, but it's just easier for me to just, just publish an hourly rate. So, you know, my rate is like $300 an hour. And if someone knows that up front and they want to work with me and, they, and I've got a couple of hours of time in a week, I'll, I'll, I'll work with them. And, uh, and so, and, and that's how all my business comes now. I don't, I don't seek any of it out. Um, and it, and it comes from this marketing yourself from building up a reputation. And, um, and a lot of it will be, um, you know, sometimes, uh, and this is kind of funny too, um, when, when someone wants to consult, uh, a lot of times I'll tell them, Hey, look, you don't want me to write code like at 300 bucks an hour. That just doesn't make sense. Like, uh, you know, you could find someone for 50 bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour that can do probably even a better job, honestly, at this point than, than I could. Um, and if sometimes they say, no, we want you to write it anyway, 
uh, and so I do, you know, and I'm like, wow, okay. Um, and, but, but a lot of times, you know, what I end up doing with my consulting now is, is working at the higher level. Like, can I, can, I, I try to push them in the direction of, hey, can I help your team be better? Can I help your developers? You know, can I coach your developers and help them understand how to, how to build, uh, build things better, how to work better in their agile environment, how to, um, a lot of it, I do a lot of stuff around building automation frameworks, like with Selenium. And so I'll say, okay, you know, let me talk to your architect and I'll explain to them how how to build a good automation framework, and then I'll give them the kind of you know I, I'd rather work at the higher level and say here you go here's some work you know this is the vision you go and implement this stuff and then come back to me and then I'll take a look at it and, and give you guidance and, and set you up give you the next mile so now go this direction so that's really what a lot of what I end up doing uh, and then I also have uh, you know, of course I consult with developers. Who, who want to do life coaching just to, to get their career in place. Uh, but, but a lot of it, I'm trying to push it as much as possible to do, to do more of the productized consulting, right? The, the, the things where I, I'm selling either an info product or, uh, but, uh, or something like that so that I can reach more people at, at this point. Right. And I mean, the benefit too is being on that, that higher level, you're not a worker bee anymore. You have more creative freedom, which to be honest, most of us, almost all of us want. We want that kind of, we want to be partners. We don't just want to be, you know, do this, you know, and here's a list of things I need you to do, do them, you know, just, just be a grunt worker for me. Right. right. Um, and another thing too, another really nice thing about being in this position now where you're, you're more able to cherry pick the projects you want to work on. Like the majority of the sales process is done by the time they reach out to you. Like a lot of us, when we need to sell, because we're going like, you know, us who has no relationship to the party we're selling to, we need to sell ourselves. We need to do a lot of the things you've done via your podcast, via your blog, via your books and everything else that you've done once and it's kind of working on your behalf perpetually. We need to do on a one-off basis each time we meet with a new client, which that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time that goes into something that has no guarantee that it will actually materialize into a paying project. So uh, a really nice benefit of this too is by the time somebody reaches out to you, they know your rate, they know who you are, they have an idea of what it's like to work with you. They've, you know, they, 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 they trust you in a way, right? So you can just negotiate details, timelines, what we'll do and everything else. You really don't need to sell people any longer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, and that's really, I mean, and, and, you know, there's a difference too, I think between the, when I first started out too, it was like, I, I, was, I was looking for clients and I was trying to sell the clients on the thing I could do for them. But, but that's, it's a one-time use thing, right? It's like what, what you sell to one client doesn't benefit you for, for future clients, but, but then by creating like this network, by doing the, the active things like having a blog and marketing yourself through that blog, by having some podcasts, and, and appearing on other people's podcasts and, and doing the kind of things that build up a reputation and brand in the industry, it, it's like, it's still selling, but, but that's a reusable selling. Like that blog post that I wrote, you know, two years ago, it's still getting me clients today. And it's, and it not only is it getting me the clients, but it's also selling me because they, they're, they're reading my personality from it. They're, they're hearing about me, they're, they're watching my YouTube videos 
and they're they're trusting me uh, already. By the time that they make first you know quote first contact with me, they've already made fifty contacts with me. So um, so there is no selling process of that. I, it's yeah, so I, so I really like that idea. That's what I've tried to build. Encourage a lot of other developers to do this. Is if you can do that, then you know there's such a huge huge value there. Versus uh, I hate things that I do once and get paid, you know that that only benefit me one time. I try to like spend the majority of my time doing things that will benefit me. You know, there'll be bricks in my wall that will always be a brick in my wall. Right, and and it's funny. Like I've, I'm in that same boat where I have a I have a, a label in my inbox that is my VA puts emails in there that are questions directed to me, right? So questions about something. And, you know, oftentimes like 99% of the the time I can, and I actually do respond with a link to a blog post I've written on my site, which is great because it's kind of that evergreen ammunition that you always have at your disposal. But whenever I need to go in and I, I I think that I need to, somebody asks a question that maybe I haven't covered yet, if I know I'm going to be replying to that and it's only going to that one person, I'm going to spend time producing content that is only going to be seen by one single person. First off, from a, the marketing perspective, that's kind of that's not that's not optimal. Right. right. But, but on top of that, I know a lot of other people would be helped by this answer. And that's why a lot of my blog posts, for instance, are responses to people's questions that they've asked me in my inbox, which a lot of I know a lot of freelancers are always asking, you know, great. So you're, you know, content marketing, create, you know, have a blog, write content. What do I write about? Well, my my first my first suggestion is almost always, what have clients during the sales process asked you about? Start there. Respond to them publicly, and that's I think for the most of us because I think, you know, I think I think for a lot of listeners, especially those who don't really have a brand. You know, they, they hear from you, they hear from me, and it's kind of like, well, you know, you can say that, yes, you have a brand, and then they kind of, it's like this chicken and egg situation in a way. What I've come to, to settle on, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is we all have something to say. We often do say things, but almost all of us say it on a one-to-one ephemeral basis instead of in a way that we can convert that same discussion into something evergreen and into something a little more public that can work on our behalf for months and years to come. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, I do a very similar system. My VA flags uh, emails that are questions that he can't answer. In fact, I, I tell him, go and search on YouTube and search on my blog, do you know, site colon simpleprogrammer.com and see if you can find the answer. Even, you know, he's not technical. And, and, and then if he can't, then he flags those things. And then I actually, I queue them up and I actually make YouTube videos to answer. I read the question on a YouTube video and I answer the question. It's usually uh, what I do. So I, I do about like three YouTube videos a week and, and majority of them are answering people's questions so that, that it gets reused. Um, I, I applied that same principle to, uh, I've got a mastermind group, a weekly mastermind group, and we were getting so much value out of this. Uh, we're all kind of open guys. So, so it works in this case. We're like, hey, why don't we record this mastermind group and make a podcast out of it? So we, we created the Entreprogrammers podcast and, and you know, we share that. So it's, it's kind of a reuse. So now instead of just, you know, we get value out of that, the two hours that we spend in the mastermind group. But now we're also have created a thing out of it where other people get value. So I try to reuse as much as possible. You know, I, I feel like doing a one-on-one 
answer to someone is just not, at this point it doesn't scale or it's not worth my time. So anytime I can, you know, take an answer and make a piece of content out of it, um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I agree with you that we, we all have different voices and different, you know, there's always something like a, a different angle, a different specialization. Um, one thing I, that I always encourage a lot of developers in general is just to pick some kind of specialization. Because if, if you have like some really deep specialization that, that you pick, then you're going to have a lot, it, you know, that, that constraint will actually give you a ton to write about. It, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, contradictory, but by creating a nice constraint for yourself, you'll, you'll become, and you'll be the, like, the, the very, the more specific you are, the, the more that you're going to match a, a particular client so well that, you know, they, they're going to find your articles and you're going to bubble up to the top when they search for the specific problem that they, that they have. And those listening know I'm a huge fan of niching and specialization and everything. And we've talked about that both a lot on the podcast and on the blog. So I would recommend uh, those of you who are kind of scratching your heads about, well, you know, what does John mean by that? Check out a lot of the, the content that we've produced on specialization and niching. But on top of that, can, can you give me an example, John, of like, well, case in point. So, uh, you know, I know you've done a lot of Android work for, for Pluralsight, at least. So I, I assume you've done a lot of Android work. I'm, get, I'm hoping you have. So, you know, let's say that you go and you decide I'm going to start blogging about um, Android or, or whatever else. What, what are your feelings in terms of should the content be technical? Should it be things like code samples and, and stuff like that? Or should they be more non-technical client focused content or, or maybe both? Like that's the question I've been asked a lot. I'm usually more inclined to say, target more the, you know, target the people who buy from you, meaning clients, like what are their needs? What are they, what are they wondering about? Um, but on the other hand, I, I do think having technical posts really, even if they don't understand what you're saying is, um, there's a degree of, of, uh, I guess social proof and or not social proof, but proof that you know what you're doing based on those articles existing. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so that's, so that's a real, really interesting. You know, and, and I've debated this a little bit. What I've come to is is that that I, I like the idea of both. I, I like to have you know a few horses in the race, and and, and by doing both, I feel like you, you do because what's going to happen is, and, and I look at the way that I've gotten clients in the past and, and just uh, also around branding and, and building a reputation. So let's say you have a technical article that you do, like say on Android development, right? Um, I've gotten people that were working for a company and they were searching for an answer. They found my blog post or they found several of my blog posts and they're like, oh, hey, John knows his stuff about this thing. So they talk to their manager or they're like, oh, we need to get John in to do some training for our team. And they talk to their manager and, and, and they end up pulling me in to do some kind of consulting or, or some training for them from that. Um, so so that, that, that works in that regard. Um, like you said, uh, to, to doing the higher level thing that's not, not technical directly targets the client. So the project manager is looking, the, the business owner is looking for a solution and they are, they have a question about, you know, how the Android ecosystem works or, you know, Android is fragmented, you know, and, and so then they're, they, they know that you, you know your stuff about the industry in, in general. And so you get some leads from there. Um, but also, you know, I think both of those things can work in, in different ways towards building your brand and reputation as well. So um, w one thing is, you know, 
if you if you do, someone might say, ah, oh, I'm not going to do any technical articles. I'm just going to do the higher level type of stuff because I just want to focus on my clients, just the, you know, just the project managers, entrepreneurs, or you know, business owners, and people that are looking to hire a consultant or a freelancer. Uh, but 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 the problem becomes that. Um, that that's a, a direct conversion. It's not really building your reputation, uh, but if you do some technical articles and then a lot of your peers, right, are like, oh, well, well here's the expert in this area. You know, this guy really knows Android list views. Like, if you have any question about list views, you know, John's the guy, so go and, go and find him. Well, there's a, there's a significant value in that as well, which uh, then you get recommendations from your peers, and then if you can build up enough reputation in a particular niche or industry, then people just know that you're the person in that. Uh, so, so there's it's it's kind of like having multiple horses in the in the race. Is is the way I think about it. Is you should be covering both of those bases because you don't want to just optimize for just getting you know organic referral search traffic that results in, in, in consulting leads, you also want to do something to build a reputation at the same time and, and you don't want to leave out the possibility of developers finding you and, and then recommending you to their managers. So I like to cover it, cover it all and, uh, and, and I think that, to, for me at least, that's, that's worked the best. Right. So, I mean, it's really just a matter of expanding your acquisition channels, right? So you have one which could be articles where the person hiring you could be the reader that's one channel. But then, like you said, there's the more like the referral channel, which is a way to demonstrate your your experience to peers so that when somebody asks them because they know the industry, uh, who do you recommend? They can then easily point to you. So putting content up on a blog and, you know, having it there, it's probably not enough, right? Like you need to have something you know, whether, you know, called actions or, you know, something that actually gets people, I, I presume, to opt in to something, you know, a freebie or maybe the, as generic as a newsletter. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on kind of bridging the gap between reading content, getting value from it from you to either becoming a customer or referring somebody to you? So, so I, I agree. I, I like to, I mean, to me, my most valuable asset in my business is my email list. <laughs> I want to get people on there, right? Because that's, I mean, I can talk to them multiple times uh, on there. So, so that's, and, and their situation might change, right? And, and you know, they, they might have visited my site one time, but now they're looking for, now they're at their point in their career where they're looking for something that I have to offer them. So, um, so if they're following my newsletter or whatever, that's, um, that's good. So um, I've had a lot of success with email courses. I'm using Drip to, to do that, but uh, that's 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 been really. I found that that works really well because you know I, I put out content in a lot of different channels, from the blog to YouTube videos, to podcasts, and everything. And someone will, you know, just looking at kind of, I, I view my audience as from cold to hot, like somewhere on that scale. And I know if someone's been following my stuff for like a year or two. They're going to be in the hot zone usually, so you know they're big fans usually at, at that point. But it's, it was taking you know a certain amount of time, like maybe a year or two of following all my stuff, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, I've recognized the brand enough. I've recognized John enough. You know, I, I like this guy, uh, and I'll promote him." Uh, but I found with an email course, like I did this email course on how to create a blog to boost your career, like this three-week email course. Once I launched that thing, I was finding by the end of that email course 
people were like super fans. They were emailing me and saying, man, I love this course. This is so awesome. Like this is, uh, you know, you had such valuable information and they're sharing it all on their own because uh, of that high touch, like, and, and the, that they're getting such immediate value on a very specific thing. So, um, so, so really I, if you can, the thing I recommend now, I, I've tried other kind of lead magnets and giveaways uh, and, and I found that the email course, it, maybe it doesn't have the highest opt-in rate as, as something else does, but it's so high touch, um, especially if you, you know, one thing I do in the email course is I ask people to reply back to me. And I know you do in yours as well. In fact, that, that looking at your email course was, was one of the things that really influenced mine. Um, and, and that I found is extremely valuable. So, um, so that's the thing that I, that I really recommend nowadays. I'm in complete agreement with everything you just said first off. And I think the way I've come to rationalize it, and again, I don't have, I haven't done a, a you know a full research or anything on on this subject, but what I've seen is an email course is more curated. It's more, you know, if you just put somebody on your newsletter, let's say, they could be jumping in. Like in my case, I do multi multi part series sometimes, where I'll have four weeks that are a you know a, a four part series, and somebody could opt into my newsletter and end up getting part three as really the first email that they get from me, right? You know, with a start to finish email course, it's a little more curated and unlike a unlike a downloadable, like you see a lot of like free reports or white papers or things like that. Um, those are more, you know, you download it and then you you kind of agree to yourself to one day read it. But, you know, let's be honest, who actually goes in and, and looks through their downloads folder that often. But with an email course, you know, you're basically invited into their inbox, which is where real business gets done. And because they're seeing your name again and again and again, it, it is fostering that that relationship, right? Like there's there's a um, there's a presence there. You know, there's a brand presence now of you in their inbox, which again is where where work gets done. One thing I've been doing because I get a I get a good amount of people on my email course. I get about seven hundred ish a week uh, getting added to it. So I've had to turn off the, well, not turn off. I mean, they can still reply, but I don't ask for replies anymore. What I do is I link people to a worksheet that basically asks questions based off of the lesson they just went through. And this worksheet is a gravity form that when they fill it out, they get emailed a copy. So it's really a way, it's an exercise for them to help themselves. But I also get sent a copy that gets sent to a, um, you know, it's automatically archived, but put in a, a folder, which is submissions for this email course. And now I have thousands that I can just look through and I get uh, ideas about blog content there. I get ideas about how to how to better market my products, how to come up with a new product, you know, things like that. So it's really valuable to have not only content of, of value that you can put out there, but also like you like you said with the reply thing, to have a way for it to go from a one-sided thing to something more bi-directional. Yeah. That's a great idea with the gravity form. I might have to start doing that. What I ended up resorting to as it got out of scale, because I guess I get about 50 to 100 signups a day now on the, on the email course, is I've got my VA, I trained him how to answer these emails. <laughs> so I've given him, like, I have this wiki, and I've got very detailed, and I've trained him, and I've said, okay, you know, and, and it's simple. Most people are saying, look, here's the blog I created, and I tell them, you know, say something personal, look at their blog, put, you know, and, and, and answer it and, and give them a compliment or give them some encouragement. And that, that gives me that 
you know, that, that high touch, but, but I, I'm, I'm probably going to end up going down the road that, that, that you've gone w with that because again, that, that still doesn't scale because there's still enough of them that get flagged that I have to answer every day and, it, and it's growing every day. So. Yeah. And, and on top of that, I mean, it's a little more structured where I have some of these questions, some of these workshop worksheets are things like, have there been any eye openers that you want to share or on the first worksheet, it's, what is one thing that you hope this email course will answer for you? And now I can go in and literally dump a CSV with just that column. And, and I've done this, spend a few hours just browsing through what are, what are people hoping to get out of this email course? And I can modify it over time based off of that. So if people are opting in, hoping that I cover X, but I'm not covering X yet. You know, if enough people say that, maybe I should modify parts of the course. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Okay, yeah, it's been sold me. <laughs> it's, it's been super helpful. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, for, for, you know, those listening, I don't want to lose anyone here. But ultimately, it's important, I think, to have stuff out there that can at least do part of the selling on your behalf. I mean, with consulting, you're still going to need to get on the phone with people, still going to need to talk to people, you know, in, in a high touch manner. But the more objections you can break down automatically the more things you can put up there that will um, kind of nurture i guess or condition a, a pers perspective lead to working with you the better and that's what you've done i mean you know you don't need to sell anyone when they contact you about consulting which is exactly where you want to be because you're not wasting time you're able to maximize the amount of time you spend billing everything gets better right so what would you say um, before we break? What would you say if you could give like one action item to somebody listening who doesn't have a presence, who doesn't have a brand? What What's one realistic thing they can do to start? You know, the, the thing I always recommend, in fact, that's why I created that, that blogging course, that, that email course to create a blog, it is to create a blog. Because most, most freelancers, most developers, it's not... It, it's easy to do to create a blog and it gives you a presence on the web that you own. You know, you don't own Facebook, you don't own your Twitter account, not really, but you do own your domain name. And so get a blog, don't create a free blog, you know, use, you, know, you can get a blog for like five, ten dollars a month, set up, set it up and at least have your domain name, right? And, and start blogging. And, and the thing is, I, I give a talk about how to market yourself as a software developer. And when I do, you know, it's usually a lot of, it's a lot of creative developers, a lot of freelancers. And I, I will have everyone raise their hand. I'll say, raise your hand if you've written a blog post in the last year. And like 25% of the hands are up, right? And then I'll say, okay, keep your hand up if you updated your blog in the last month. And usually there's very few hands left. And then I say, okay, keep your hand up if you've updated in the last week. Sometimes there's one or two hands up. A lot of times out of a room of 200, maybe 300 people, there's none. And then I'll say, now keep your hand up if you've updated your blog once a week for the last year. And I'm shocked if there's one <laughs> there's hand anyone, up. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. there's one. And if there is one, I say, congratulations. Look, there's 300 people in this room. You're in the top 0.3%. Uh, right, of, right. So, so my big action item would be not only create a blog, but if you can commit to writing one blog post a week, even if it's crap, if you, trust me, if you do this after a year, you won't be a crap writer anymore. You might start out as one, but, but you, you'll get better. But if you can commit to that, you're going to be in the top 
definitely in the top like 0.1% of the rest of the freelancers out there as far as building a brand and marketing yourself. Like you're going to have, you're going to be doing that much more than than majority of people will ever do in their in their promotion and, and building a brand. Yeah, and I would say that if you are bugged by like, well, what do I? How can I write one thing a week? I can't. I can't figure out what to write. Um, you know, I mean, I would just say first off, look at, you know, what are what have you accomplished this week technically? What interesting problems have you solved? Write about them. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to name drop your client probably can't you there's you know you, there's probably a degree of non-disclosure that you're bound by but you can talk about the problems you solved and and how you went about solving them and so on um it's it serves as a great way to just look back and be able to see well what did i do this last year like what have i done you could just page through your blog but on top of that i would also add like we said before you know what what things are cl- prospective clients bringing up when you meet with them like what are concerns they have what are if you do Android development, what did you say when when they asked, "Well, should we build an iPhone app too?" Like, how did you respond? Commit that to, uh, you know, to digital paper as a blog post. And um, yeah, I think I think you're you're absolutely right. In my case, I uh, I've been writing now pretty consistently, almost weekly. Missed a few weeks, but uh, for the last almost three and a half years. And looking back in terms of. Um, you know, my first blog posts nowadays, it's a lot, it's less time spent writing because I'm, I'm a better writer, less time spent editing. And, um, and it's kind of nice because I've slowly built up this list. And now, you know, back then I wrote kind of in a vacuum. I didn't know if anyone would ever read, but they did. And they slowly started to read and opt in and everything else. Now, when I write a blog post, I know, you know, 30,000 people are going to read it that week, which right, is nice, exactly. great position yeah. to be in, you know. But it just takes time and it takes consistency. And one of the things I actually just saw an article um, by my friend Nathan Berry that he just published today that was literally saying something like the best writing tool that you have is your calendar. Schedule a repeating event saying write during this time period, you know. So. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Consistency is like so many, so many people start at the beginning, at, at the bottom of the hill, but and it is crowded and it seems like there's so much competition. But if you make it up near the top of the hill, you'll find there's no more competition because you, you've, 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 you've gone further than most people are willing to go. That's right. That's right. So um, I know you wanted to do a little giveaway. So why don't, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So, uh, so the, the first one, I think we can just take your action item. So if someone commits to creating a blog or, or, or we'll say just taking some kind of action from, from this, from this podcast, cause I'm a man of action. I like to see people take action and you leave a comment saying what action that you're going to take from this. I'll pick one of you uh, at random and I will ship you a signed copy of my uh, soft skills and software developers life manual book. It uh, does. It's published by Manning. I've got a forward in there from uncle Bob Martin and, and Scott Hanselman. Um, and, uh, and I will sign it and ship it to you personally. Um, and then also, uh, if you're interested in, in learning how to market yourself as a software developer, I've got a course out there um, that I'll, I'll give a, f- a discount off of. Um, it's at devcareerboost.com, uh, devcareerboost.com. And then if you use the code DYF, uh, then you'll get $100 off of the course. And, uh, and it's, it's got a, you know, a lot of stuff we talked about about 
creating a, a blog and how to do that successfully and come up with topics, how to brand yourself, build a personal brand, and, and a lot of career development uh, type of things. I've got a bunch of interviews in there with some cool people like uh, uh, like Uncle Bob Martin, like Jeff Atwood, the founder of Stack Overflow, and, uh, and, uh, and a few others in there. So um, if you're interested, check that out, devcareerboost.com, $100 off at DYF. Yeah, and the the URL for this this uh, this show will be doubleyourfreelancing.com slash HTMY, how to market yourself, HTMY. That's where you'll want to leave a comment. And I know John and I will be monitoring the comment threads. So let us know what you're doing. Let us know what your next step is, like what you plan on doing and when. I think the best to-do items are things that you can actually accomplish. So having a successful blog is not a to-do item because you can't, you know, Yes, you can check it off the list, but it's not a, it's not something actionable. So you know maybe one post you know set up a set up a WordPress site, write your first post on X, and commit yourself to doing it before a certain date. I think that's a great format because I, I I like I like due dates and I like specific things that I can say I've done this. So John, thank you again. And and what's uh, it's simpleprogrammer.com is your is your main site, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, John, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show and uh, we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you want to find out more about John and enter into that awesome giveaway that he so graciously made available to us, you're going to want to go to my website, doubleyourfreelancing.com slash H-T-M-Y. Not H-T-M-I, but H-T-M-Y, how to market yourself. You're going to want to go there. And while you're there, if you would kindly, if you haven't left a review yet, just click on the podcast link up at the top and leave an honest review. Again, your support and encouragement and your inner review and rating really just inspire me to keep bringing on awesome people like John and to share their stories. And to really, again, like I, like I mentioned when I was talking about the, you know, the upcoming conference at the beginning of the show, I like stories. I like inspiration, but I really, really like actionable things you know I, I like being able to get to the end of a blog post or a interview or whatever else that i'm listening to and have a real concrete takeaway that i can try out so hopefully you got a few action items out of this episode but again please leave a review if you would like to see the show continue and, and to continue to bring on awesome people all right so we will see you again next week for another awesome episode of the business of freelancing podcast <laughs>